0: Hello, Velo News listeners, this is Dan Cavallari, tech editor at Velo news coming at you with another Velo news tech podcast, and today I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that have been landing in my garage lately. Uh, as you might imagine, as somebody who tests a lot of gear, I end up also unpacking a lot of gear from boxes, uh, and so it's, it's always striking to me how these products get sent to me in boxes, in paper, in plastic. Um, and then the, you know, the products themselves are, you know, in their own type of packaging within that box. And it got to, it got me to thinking, you know, do we, do we as a bike industry, you know, the bike industry likes to think of itself as sort of environmentally friendly. Do we have a packaging problem? Uh, and so not too long ago, I was unboxing uh, yet another uh, bit of product, and it came from Velocio Apparel. And I noticed something pretty cool. Uh, their clothing came in biodegradable bags. And so I wanted to talk to somebody at Velocio to uh, kind of get at the the heart of why um, the brand chose to go with biodegradable packaging uh what other steps they're taking to be environmentally friendly uh and and what the bike industry can basically just do better uh when it comes to this sort of thing and so i went all the way to the top i've caught on the line brad sheehan the ceo of velocio apparel brad how you doing
1: uh, doing well, Dan. Thanks, thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on. And um, thanks for, you know, first of all, thanks for making the choice to do biodegradable packaging. I mean, I think that's that's a great model to set for for our industry. Um, so I wanted to talk to you today about some of the thought process behind that, um, and what that looked like for you as a brand, making those decisions for your packaging, uh, and, and what other options you might have had. Um, so let's, let's just start at Let's just start at the beginning. I mean, Velocio sends its products in biodegradable packaging. I know some of your clothing is actually made from recycled materials. Um, when did that decision get made and why?
1: Uh, it's been a process. So we, we've we we've continued to kind of move in that direction since we started in 2014. Um, the biodegradable bags, the, the poly bags, if you will, that are all of our garments are packaged in, um, were a decision that we made right at the beginning. So right at maybe three or four months after we launched in 2014, we said, you know, we we need a better solution than just creating more bags, more waste um, items that are inherently pretty difficult to recycle, but uh, often just get trashed and sent to landfills. and And their only use is really just transporting that garment from the factory to the end user. Um, so we said, okay, well, let's, let's look into this and see how we can at least help with that problem. Um, and we were able to source, um, some bags in Italy, which is where the majority of our apparel is made, um, and, uh, have been doing that ever since.
0: What, what's different about the bags? I mean, uh, it's, to me, it just feels like plastic. So how does it differ from any other type of plastic?
1: Yeah, it, it has to do with the way that it's manufactured and also the, the material that they're using to create the bag. So it's not a, a typical polymer um, type uh, material. It's, it's sort of in line with what you'd see with some of like the, the biodegradable um, cutlery or that type of packaging that you see in like the food industry. Um, where over a period of time it will, it will disintegrate. It will, it will degrade.
0: Okay. I see. So it's magic is what you're saying. It's magic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, clar- that clarifies things. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you said you found this biodegradable packaging in Italy where your manif- your clothes are are uh, made. Mm-hmm. Um, was it, talk about pricing. I mean, is it, is it a more expensive option than just say buying a big bag, a, a big box of, of plastic bags to shove your clothing in?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, some of it has to do with the technology, other, other aspects has to do with um, the fact that you can't just produce you know, a million bags at once. Um, you have to look at it from a shelf life perspective and you have to order in smaller quantities and have better planning um, to ensure that you know the, the, the bags don't essentially just start degrading with the, the garments still in them um, or on the shelf before they're even being used. So, you know, there's a few steps there. I would say that, you know, on average, we're probably seeing 20 to 30 percent more cost um, on any of these types of solutions. Um, You know, in addition to the bio bags, we've been transitioning a lot of our other packaging to more sustainable options as well. Um, And I can I can certainly talk about those, too. But, um, you know, again, it's it's definitely an increase in cost for us. Uh, it's something that we feel like is kind of a cost of doing business in today's today's economy and today's um you know uh, situation that it's not we just kind of bake it into our cost we don't we don't really pass that along as an additional charge mm-hmm. um to the customer
0: so that's that's interesting to me um you, so I'm assuming you have had the experience where the bags have started degrading before you've used them or while they were sitting on the shelf. Uh, what does that look like? I mean, I'm, I'm actually a little surprised that it happens that quickly.
1: It, we haven't had a lot that go so far as they start coming apart. But we have seen over a period of time, they'll start to like, they start to turn yellow and they start to just look like they're old. Right, so it's sort of this accelerated process of of aging, really, um, and also because it is a, a different type of material, you see a lot more um, inconsistency and imperfection, and it's it's not dissimilar from from like a naturally recycled, um, you know, cardboard or or mailer or something like that, uh-huh. where you always have a little bit of variance yeah. in color and, and everything. Sure, sure.
0: I, this may not be a question you can answer because I know you're not a scientist, but you know I, I assume with uh, some of the back and forth you've had with various uh, packaging companies, this may have come up. Uh, do you know how long um, this packaging uh, in particular takes to biodegrade as compared to typical plastic?
1: Um, I don't have a specific number. Um, i I want to say it's around a three to five year range uh-huh. um, I, I can I'll, I'll try and get some more specific information I know that a lot of these types of things are really hard to, to pinpoint because yeah. it has to do with like the the specific environment um, whether it's aerobic or anaerobic and all that very detailed science related stuff that I just don't have enough facility to answer yeah sure um, so we'll just chalk it up to magic again yeah <laughs>
0: I mean, and that's, that's, that's what I was going to ask next. was what makes these packaging biodegradable and you've already answered that it's magic. Uh, so, um, and you know, you talked about the different polymer and all that. So I think essentially what we're talking about is, um, you know, a, a plastic that's not really the plastic that you would associate with something like a, a plastic water bottle or, you know, which, which, you know, have Correct. enormous consequences, environmental consequences. Um, and I wonder, you know, I, Again, this is probably not a question you can answer, but I wonder how much, uh, you know, those plastic water bottles that everybody loves to just toss on the side of the road, which you know cause so much environmental problems. I wonder if this polymer is something that could be used for something like that. Uh, I imagine that's probably a question for a packaging engineer, but just my my musings out loud.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that there's been a lot of movement, uh, a lot of technology and development around um, biodegradable materials and um you know we uh, i talk with uh, fabric suppliers all the time because i'm i'm dealing with all of the sourcing of all of our garments and um all the design as well so to, from a from a fabrics perspective and a, and a yarn content perspective they're looking at biodegradable there um a lot of the insulation that we end up using there's some some different technologies that they're trying to work with uh more plant-based type materials and, and um, incorporating um, different kind of almost like active agents in them, so that under certain conditions they will they will biodegrade. Um, so this is definitely something that I think a lot of industries or a lot of suppliers are looking at in different ways, um, because you know you, you've got the the recycled program right with so taking those plastic water bottles and pulling them out of the ocean or wherever they are and and reclaiming them and turning them back into polyester yarn um, to create recycled garments. But, you know, that that really is just like addressing a a problem that we've created now. The other channel is or the other thought process is how do we keep from creating the product, the the problem to begin with Um, and looking at something that's more circular. Uh, in in how things are produced, cons- you know, consumed, and then and then disposed of. So um, packaging, transportation are kind of like pretty huge on the the spectrum of impact, um, and and that's why I think like for us at least, it was something that we really wanted to try and address early on, and and you know, as we go grow, it just become it continues to become like. Uh, more and more of a conversation around some of the the ways that we're trying to incorporate some of these things.
0: Yeah, and I I do want to talk in just a moment about uh, more about your products in particular and how you guys have made choices to use uh, different materials uh, for those environmental reasons. And I also want to talk about transportation. Um, But before we get to that, I guess um, one of the, you know, I, I I had a conversation not too long ago with, um, a friend who works for another clothing company, and we were talking about uh, tags, you know, those annoying scratchy tags that come in all these clothing uh, bits, and, and the first thing we do is we yank on them and pull them out and usually, you know, rip the, the garment and get pissed at ourselves uh, <laughs> use scissors people use scissors um, yes yes <laughs> but, uh, i you know I, I asked him i said how in the world have we not progressed past the point where we have these scratchy tags and he said you know there's actually laws and regulations regarding those you have to have them and they have to withstand a certain number of, of washings in a washing machine um which was mind-blowing to me i'd never thought of that um and so i guess my question for you is uh in that in that same vein, are there rules and, and laws and regulations regarding packaging that make it difficult for companies to choose better packaging options?
1: It's not been my experience. No, um, oh. I think the the major limitation around it, uh, depending on the size of the company and 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 such, is probably capacity or sourcing. You know, there aren't not everyone makes these types of products. Um. <laughs> And cost. I think uh, cost is always a big factor sure. um, for a lot of companies, especially as you get larger and larger. Mm-hmm. Right, it, every ten, every ten cents or every dollar or whatever is uh, um, calculated into their margin.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so essentially, it's it's not so much that there are barriers uh, from laws, regulations. It's more just that it's it's more expensive. And from a business standpoint, you you know, a lot of these companies are, are running pretty thin margins and need to cut, cut sense where they can.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to speak for something that I don't, you know, I don't know the inner workings of other companies. I wouldn't say that they have thin margins in general, um, in the industry, but I would say that, you know, there's a lot of pieces, there's a lot of, you know, steps and gears and things that you have to consider even in a business, our size and, and, and in the the type of product that we're, we're making. So it's, it's really difficult to just shift gears quickly into something, uh, completely different because it affects your whole supply chain. It affects your timing. It affects, um, forecasting. And there's a lot of, of factors. Um, and, and we've, I think, because we've, we've made these decisions when we're, you know, right when we started and when we're relatively small, even now, um, they're sort of part of our process already. Um, and in that way it's allowed us to be a little bit more, uh, or to, to utilize these types of things, um, you know, more fully. So to, you know, just start with something that's maybe a little bit older, a little bit more established to flip the switch on something completely new i think requires a lot more effort and time and planning so you know not to uh, i guess give give other companies i guess uh, an opportunity to do that um but also i think holding everyone accountable for saying hey like these are things we really need to address um because even in your garage right like the the packaging is just mounting up and and what did, where does that go yeah
0: um, right yeah and and you know and i think with clothing in particular it's it's less uh, of an of a problem uh, i mean the bikes that i see come in are just you know wrapped up with foam and and paper and tape and plastic bits uh clothing generally uh it usually has you know some sort of plastic bag and then like a sleeve um, but also you guys have tags, I mean, is there, is there, um, you know, are your tags also, do you guys consider that, uh, an environmental choice? Um, uh, are there, is there anything different about your tags and things like that?
1: We consider everything, um, that way from, you know, the, the, the bag, the actual fabric, the manufacturers that we choose to work with, the transportation, you know, there's like literally the whole. Process end to end. We consider, you know, what is the impact environmentally? How sustainable can we make this? Where are we at today, and where can we be, you know, down the road? Um, but yeah, tags for sure. Um, we've been since the, the the initial bio bag thing that we that we started with. You know, we've moved to using um, post consumer recycled mailers, so they're they're paper mailers as opposed to the more traditional um polyethylene or polybag type mailer that you would normally see or that like a tyvek mailer that you'd normally see um so yeah they can go right in your compost bin when you're when you're when you receive the product the the other thing we've done more recently is all of the the hanging cards that you would see in like a retail one of our retailers with um for accessories like socks or or gloves. That car that those hang from um, is now made out of 100% recycled um, compostable fiber. So there's no treatments or coatings or plastic or anything like that incorporated into that. And, uh, again, those can go right into compost. Interesting. Um,
0: I didn't know that. And it's funny because, I, you know, the the bags themselves, the the biodegradable bags that each individual – garment came in, you know, it says it right on there, it's biodegradable and what you can do with it. But I didn't know that about the mailer. So that just went straight into the trash. Um, so I think, you know, one of the things that uh, comes along with these choices and something that I would say Velocio does pretty well is is educating the consumer. Um, you know, it it's worth shouting out that, yes, this bag is biodegradable and it, it can go in the compost and things like that. Uh, I would say Velocio does a pretty good job of that, but yeah, I mean, even things like the mailers i had no idea, um, that, that I could, you know, toss it in the compost and so instead it ended up right in the trash. Um, and that's a systemic breakdown. I mean, that obviously, you know, no brand is going to save the world, uh, in that, <laughs> in that, in that way, you know, it's, yeah, it's, gotta yeah. a, it's gotta be a, it's gotta be a group effort. It's gotta be an educational effort, uh, across the board in society, um, but I, I guess the other question becomes, now, you guys also use a lot of uh, recycled materials in the clothing itself. Um, talk a little bit about that. And uh, again, it sounds like you guys sort of built this into your DNA right from the start. So I think, like you said, it um, for you, it's a, a no-brainer, right? Like you're already choosing biodegradable packaging. You're, you're making that play. So yeah, it stands to reason that the clothing itself would also, uh, you know, have some sort of environmental benefit. And I recently learned that uh, one of the biggest sources of waste is is clothing and, and uh, you know, how, how quickly we wear through clothing now and it just goes into a landfill. Um, so it's interesting to me that you guys use uh, some recycled materials and, and other types of materials. Talk a little bit about some of the materials you guys do use um, and, and how it's different from some, some of the other uh, uh, materials that you may have explored that were not as environmentally friendly.
1: Yeah, so that's been a process as well. Like we we've been transitioning a lot of our collection towards using more and more recycled materials, and um, a lot of our jersey collection now is 100 percent or uses um, fabrics that are res- recycled. Um, the there's still some challenges there in that you know when you're dealing with component or 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 multiple component type um, fabrics Uh, so typically a polyester and a and a lycra or a polyester and a nylon and a lycra the usually it's the the primary component that would be recycled and in many cases like with a jersey you'd have 85 percent polyester and that polyester would be derived either from virgin yarn or from uh plastic bottles what ocean trash. Uh, the the elastane um, is something that we're actually working on trying to also get recycled so that we can say that that fabric is truly 100% recycled. So right now, it's not something that's, that you're really going to see um, on the market. Or if, if you do see it, it's very, very limited just um, to, to say it's, quote unquote, 100% recycled. Um, there are different sources for different fibers. Um, we do also with some of our bib shorts, which are typically nylon-based um, due to its durability and, and other characteristics, um, That to recycle that type of, of fiber is a, is a totally different process than um, a polyester. So they'll use uh, remnants from production, so all the table-cutting scraps, or um, Uh, I believe like fishing nets are another source of um, developing recycled yarns for, for nylon. Um, And we have been able to incorporate um, a recycled elastane or recycled Lycra type yarn um, to make like our signature bib short, for example, is hundred percent recycled fabric. Uh, So, you know, we're continuing to kind of do and incorporate those, types of recycled materials throughout the line, jerseys, bibs, um, a lot of our, some of our outer garments and our winter garments we're trying to push along a little bit further. Um, a limitation for us is really just working with, with fabric suppliers that can realize kind of the volumes that we're trying to, to do here, which for, uh, in the industry is quite small um, and when you're dealing with multiple components that need to be ordered at certain quantities and so forth, you can see how that can get really complex very quickly. Um, the, the other challenge, I think, when you're using any kind of recycled or or um, some more sustainable material is, is the cost, again. So kind of going back to the same equation with packaging is that you're looking at 20 to 30 percent more. Um, in terms of cost per meter mm-hmm. uh it's gonna increase the the total cost of the product sure, as well,
0: sure, so as a consumer uh and you know, and I can kind of answer this already just because i've I've ridden in a lot of Velocio apparel, but uh as a consumer who who might not have and who is looking at your Uh, your materials that are, you know, different from others out there. Um, Is there a performance difference? I mean, am I, should I be worried that something says it's, you know, made from these recycled materials or these other materials and and it's going to be a difference in performance like wicking sweat or, you know, venting or whatever, is there any difference?
1: No, there isn't. Uh, And we've done really extensive testing on that as has uh, all of the, the, the mills that we use. Um, The various lab testing that they do, Uh, and it's it's almost indiscernible in terms of the difference between uh, you know a virgin fabric and a recycled fabric, because you're really talking about something that's at the at the most basic level, um, you know the molecular level really. So there's there's not going to be any you're not going to notice any difference in performance or longevity or any of those types of things. Um, You know we've been we've been developing or we've had the hundred percent recycled Lycra fabric, um, in our signature bib short in our line for, uh, I want to say at least three years now. And I, I have several pair of those that, um, I kind of keep in rotation just to, to make sure we're testing like really long longevity mm-hmm. and there's, there's no difference. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I want to get back to something you mentioned earlier, Um uh, and, it, it seems to be especially in the cycling industry uh, a big selling point when a garment is made in Italy and i think there's a little bit of romance to that but also you know we've we've come to expect a certain level of, of craftsmanship from italian goods and that's great um i like it you know it's cool i'm a, i'm italian <laughs> so you know <laughs> a, little, a little bit of pride you know um but also you know as an american company uh there are Obviously, a cost associated with that. Um, I know it's difficult to find American manufacturers that can do, uh, for example, chamois sewn into shorts uh, at the volumes that you need uh, to do that. But I think the other thing that gets lost in that is um, is the, the shipping and the, the transportation, not only in terms of cost, but also in terms of environmental cost. Uh, do you, as a company, do anything to offset those environmental uh, costs?
1: Well, I think you you almost you need to look at it more holistically too and that um, use use manufacturing in the US as an example. Um, where do the fabrics come from and where do the where do the chamois come from? where do all the trims come from that you use to create that garment? So while you know we we may be able to find a producer or we may may be able to train a certain um, manufacturer here in the U.S. to do all the things that we need to do and, and invest pretty heavily in getting that set up. We're still importing the f- fabrics, the pads, the elastic, um, e- everything else into the country. So, you know, it, the transportation thing is still going to be a factor, whether it's a finished good or whether you're talking about raw materials. Um what we've tried to do is localize a lot of our sourcing around uh, the manufacturing that we do have. So the, the vast majority of our materials come from within two hours of where they're produced. And outside of that, we have, you know, most of the other um, fabrics we use are even within Europe. So it's very rare that we have stuff that's coming in from China or from Japan or from other parts of the world. Um, We're able to really consolidate like moving things around um, as they're being manufactured. So that's one thing that we're trying to do. The the manufacturing that we do use uh, is powered 80% by solar panels that are on the roof of the building. So another way we're we're trying to to work with manufacturers that are really progressive in um, understanding their own carbon impact and trying to minimize that um, and you know invest in a more sustainable way to produce garments. Um, for sure, transportation is is a challenge. I think it's a challenge at uh, both receiving product, but also. Shipping to the end customer, and when you're seeing uh, a general shift across all industries to move more and more towards direct to consumer and online purchasing, um, there absolutely has to be more focus on like the the efficiency, the economy, um, the the size and shape of each package, and so forth, to really trying to minimize that. Um, so. Uh, I don't know if I answered your question, but that's sort of the perspective in which we're using to address some
0: of those. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, and I think you're 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 spot on, and I think also that you know again going back to the point that you started this business with that with all these factors in mind, uh, really allows you to make good decisions uh, in those regards. Uh, I would say easier than a, than a company that has been kind of plugging along for years and has to sort of write the ship. I mean, those ships don't turn quickly. Um, so, you know, you, in that sense, it seems like maybe Velocio is, is ahead of the, the curve because you, you started with that, uh, with that mindset. And, and on that topic, you know, before we had, we got on the call here, um, you know, we exchanged emails briefly, and you mentioned some of the things that Velocio does beyond just, you know, packaging and, and all these other considerations uh, to be a more environmentally friendly company. Um, and, and you sent me a pretty good list of stuff that you guys do. Um, and I want to run through a couple of those. But but first and foremost, um, one of the things that, I, that caught my eye on your list was that uh, the vast majority of Velocio staff work remotely, not just during pandemics. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, am a, I am a huge, huge proponent of this. I've been arguing forever to, to just work from home full time. Uh, mm-hmm. Not just because, you know, I mean, I think there's, there's a great social aspect to going into an office. But if you think about uh, commuting in, you know, each person drives their own car in uh, mm-hmm. the the office itself is is something that needs power and heat and light. And one of the biggest uh, environmental draws in this country is uh, heating and air conditioning. Uh, it's one of the biggest environmental mm-hmm. m- environmental costs in the country. Um, so uh, kudos to you guys for that. First of all, I think with all the technology we have today, there's really no excuse to not have your employees working more at home uh, and avoiding some of these environmental costs and and really unclogging the streets. But beyond that's that's my personal bias. Um, uh, I swear. <laughs> mine, I,
1: mine is mine as well. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I swear
0: I'm not I'm not pitching this to my boss on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, that's that was one of the points. Uh, and you already mentioned that you guys have solar solar panels. What are some of the other things that you guys are doing as a company uh, to address some of these environmental concerns?
1: Well, uh, we, I, I mentioned in my notes, um, you know, we're we're 1% for the planet members. Uh, and what that really means is that 1% of our gross sales, not profit or anything like that, but really top line sales, um, is donated to environmental causes each year. So we see it as sort of a cost of doing business, not necessarily like a, a marketing effort or a, a charitable thing. Um, as just like if we're going to do this, then we need to make sure that we're contributing the thing to the things that help, con- you know, preserve the the areas that we like to to ride, right? Um, and in conjunction with that, we're also conservation alliance members, and they deal, you know, more specifically with various uh, causes like related to outdoor spaces or um, uh, things like that. To you know preserve some of these national parks we have for example um the we've we talked about like the use of of recycled, the natural fiber um we're also looking at um in, in some of our new collections uh incorporating biodegradable fabrics uh and and seeing if we can move things in that direction as well because I, d- I do feel like recycled is sort of a a bit of a band-aid um and addressing kind of a short-term problem, it's not necessarily a long-term solution. But again, that's maybe a, uh, a longer conversation
0: for sure. For sure.
1: Uh, and then we, you know, we talked about just powering with renewable energy. I mentioned our manufacturing partner, primary manufacturing partner, uses um, a lot of solar. Um, we try and look at sources of electricity that are going to be um, sourced from more renewable forms of energy um you know and we're always looking at other ways where we can kind of improve our situation or um whether it be working with some of our shipping providers to see if there are more um uh, lower carbon impact options of shipping uh you know everyone wants their garment or their their package yesterday uh when they order it and for for good reason but you know, shipping anything via air tends to be uh, much more impactful uh, from that perspective. So, you know, offering other options that uh, are a little bit lower impact, things like that. You know, I think it's really a situation where everything that we can do um, to move this forward is going to help. And I think it's, it's a process that we just have to always be continuing to push. There's never really an opportunity for us to kind of stop and say, okay, this is good enough. Um, because as we continue to grow both as a, you know, as a company, but also as a a culture, as a society, um, we need to look at ways where we can keep, continue to kind of trim things back to kind of offset that growth
0: for sure. Is there is there anything about this uh, this topic in particular as it relates to your business that I didn't ask you that you really want people to know? I mean, I think there's there's probably a lot of misunderstanding about. Uh, what truly is environmentally friendly and what isn't. I think we've been told for years that recycling is going to save the planet. And, you know, just recently we've we've heard so many stories about how, you know, yeah, tossing all that stuff in your recycling bin and here are the trash companies are just bringing it to a landfill because they've run out of places to put it. Um, so, you know, there seems to be this, we're at this inflection point with recycling and with environmentally friendly concepts. Um, you know, if you wanted to educate the listeners on on any point that we haven't covered? Is there anything we haven't covered that you can say to our listeners and say, Hey, this is one way you can contribute to uh, our environmental friendliness. I
1: think the main thing here and the, the one thing that we've tried to thread through everything we do is look for the highest quality, longest lasting items that you can afford. Um, when we produce garments, when we produce a bib short, we're really trying to create something that is, that lasts a really long time, that performs exceptionally well, not just from a like uh, marginal gains, you know, better wattage perspective, but from a comfort and a durability and and a timelessness perspective. So that when you buy a pair of our bib shorts, you know that they're going to last for multiple seasons as opposed to something that's maybe third, you know, a, a fraction of that cost. But you're lucky if you can get through the season. Because at the, at the end of the day, um, the cost of producing both of those garments is about the same in terms of like, their, their impact on our environment right like the the carbon um, the amount of carbon used to, to create that garment the manufacturing the transportation the all that is about the same for both the 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 effect that they're both going to have on the environment once they're put in a landfill is also the same so the the main thing that you can affect the the, the thing that you can do that's going to have the most in, the most benefit would be to choose products that last longer that are more durable and purchase fewer of them mm.
0: so buy the that's stuff buy the stuff wh- that matters to you within your budget but buy high quality
1: exactly yep. mm. Yeah.
0: yeah
1: fewer better right
0: <laughs> fewer and better so quality not quantity yeah yeah and it, that's not always easy to, to distinguish. I mean, you know, just I, I bought a pair of jeans that were not cheap. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and you know, within, with, yeah. within less than a year, they were wearing out. So, you know, that definitely there's a learning curve here for sure. Um, you know, sometimes the, the best thing within your budget still isn't very good. Uh, and that's, again that is a change that, uh, is, is a bigger change than just our industry than just one single business. Um, but it's, it's definitely a good place to start. Um, Brad, thanks. Thanks for joining me today. I appreciate your time. Uh, And for those of you listening, if you have questions about this podcast or any of the other podcasts in the News atmosphere, uh, or if you have suggestions for topics you would like me to cover on future episodes of the News Tech Podcast, I would love to hear them. Please reach out to me, dcavallari, at velonews.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Dan. And uh, I would like to thank you guys for listening. And Brad, thank you again for joining me. We will see you guys. thanks again. Yeah, we'll see you guys all next time.